Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are John Christian, Troy Sandlin, and Catherine Lindquist. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hey, how's it going? So, let's break down how each of these podcasts is going to work. There will be two courses. The first course will be our dessert course. That's where we dive into all those news articles and tidbits uh, that have cropped up throughout the last week or so. And then we'll go from there into our main course uh, where we will gorge ourselves on all sorts of uh, different ways of approaching a topic that's come up at one of our tables or at a convention and things like that. Uh, Today's topic, to give you a little teaser, is going to be uh, centered around... Um, AL mods and what we like about them, what we don't like about them, and how we would uh, improve upon them. Um, but before we get into that, we all have some news to throw at you. So, we actually have a really interesting slate of news. Sometimes we all dive in and we've got um, uh, similar stuff, but this week I'm really excited about the variety here. And there's one that's got my attention, so uh, I'm going to start us off with that one. Uh, John, talk to us about this new uh, release from Mantic Games. Man, I am so excited about this. So they, Mantic Games recently ended, as of this recording today, they ended their Hellboy 5th edition RPG Kickstarter, which I happily contributed to. Um, and being on the inside and getting some of the updates, we got a secret update that was very cryptic at first, uh, but it led me to the following. Essentially, Mantic is currently working on a tabletop board game for the Umbrella Academy, which mm. will event, which much like Hellboy, Hellboy started off as a tabletop board game gen- uh, produced by Mantic, that there will be a, a fifth edition iteration of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, mm that will come out at a, an undisclosed date. And so what I've seen, uh, if we could show on the, sh- uh, the show notes at the very least, is some of the miniatures yeah. that are being produced for the board game right now, those same board game, uh, the same board game tokens and miniatures that were generated for Hellboy were then generated and part of the Kickstarter goals and uh-huh. uh, products that were available in it. And they are absolutely gorgeous. And I'm super, super excited about it. I just finished uh, binging uh season two of umbrella academy about a week ago and i could not be more excited about digging into this universe and seeing how they use the fifth edition mechanic uh to uh to make it all work and make it all go so super super excited about that one i'm not saying i'm not saying you heard it here first but you probably heard it here before you heard it a lot of other places anyway and that's only because (laughs) i'm one of the i think like uh how many however many it was i think like three or four thousand people that or excuse me six thousand people that backed uh hellboy Mm. i I backed it i backed it did you awesome Awesome. oh yeah yeah i'm super excited very cool that's really exciting another big property coming to fifth edition so that's what we like to hear um i'll dive into another uh fifth edition uh kickstarter uh, this one uh, dropped yesterday, I believe, uh, so it's just a few days old as of uh, this this uh, episode dropping. Uh, Glimmering Crypt of the Iron King is a new adventure out on Kickstarter. It's for uh, characters level 5 to 7. It's by Planet X Games, which they do the um, phylactery 
uh, zine or whatever they're called books for on Kickstarter that are for um, the OSR. Um, okay. And they've done a, another AL, or not an AL mod, but another adventure mod as well um, here on Kickstarter. The thing that I like about them, uh, I don't own any other products, but I really like how their Kickstarters are run. I really like um, that they are a true Kickstarter company that re- does several a year. Um, hi- they hire really good artists, and it seems to me like that, um, from what I've read and understand, their community is feels uh, uh, is very supportive and very engaged. Um, and uh, again, I'll, there is always a lot of very interesting art that comes out of them, and this one looks to be um, the same way. Also, Ion King sounds cool. Like, and they say that they're going to have part of the part of the adventure is twelve new iron stones, which, if you've seen the early content for season ten, this is a very timely module that you could tie right into to uh, the uh, uh, AL path um, pretty easily, pretty early on, I would say. So, uh, the book you can get for. Uh, twenty bucks the the uh the physical book and ten dollars gets you the PDF and uh, it'll be dropping next spring I think in April is when this releases so yeah I think that's hmm. pretty cool yeah I'm taking a look at the artwork in here it's actually it's gorgeous it is yeah. pretty the, cool yeah. yeah I love what they've got here this uh Adrian Landeros I'm hoping yeah. I'm not butchering yeah, yeah. that name. Yeah, I'm putting that one on my watch list right there. Really, I really mm-hmm. dig dig that art style. Yeah, yeah, they do a good, really cool job. It's very old school in feel, and that's mm-hmm. probably because they're yeah. uh, o- OSR roots. Um, but anyhow, I like it. So let's see. That was the Glimmering Crypt, and then we had the Umbrella Academy. Let's talk, Cat. You got um, you've got something to talk about from Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I actually found this on Instagram, of course, uh, it's my main, main social media of choice. Um, Mm. and there is a girl on there called, uh, the DM's quest and she partnered with, oh gosh, um, I'm going to butcher (laughs) this name. Um, but she partnered with Pharaoh Tenassi. Yeah. Um, and to create this little, um, it's a stained wooden, um, miniature holder. Like, um, when you are painting your yeah. miniatures, um, yeah, lots of people can use like, you know, wine, wine stoppers and stuff like that. Um, but what you do with this one is, uh, you put a little bit of sticky tacky on the top there on the, the, the black, like bar along the top. Uh, and then you can stick your character on there just like like a, a wine cork or whatever. But then um, once it gets to the point where you need it to dry, um, you can just you can take it off, take the little the little black bar at the top there off, because um, it has a magnet that's attaching it to the main base, um, and you can put it aside. And it it comes with when you order one, it comes with a set of those little toppers, so you could be. You could just like switch back and forth between four or five minis pretty fast. Um, Very cool. And yeah, and it's got a little beholder silhouette on it because uh, V, well, her 
the DM's quest, <laughs> uh, her sort of like monk gear or whatever, is the Beholder Queen. Um, she likes Beholders a lot and paints a lot of them, and they're pretty cool. So, um, so it is called the V Holder. That's really cool. On. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to add something. I am I am a fan and a patron of Black Magic Craft. He's he's a YouTuber that does a lot of uh, foam core building and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he suffers from hand tremors. Yeah. Mm. And he actually came out and did a video. Um, his newest video was addressing that because a lot of people have contacted him and said, you know, they too suffer from hand tremors. And he has certain techniques that he uses. And one of the things he talked about was having a holder like this that has some weight to it. Because like most people mm-hmm. like will use like a pill bottle or like you said a wine cork. Well, there's nothing to those, mm-hmm. but it helps if there's a bit of weight behind it. It will control the tremors in your hand. And this being a piece of wood, it wouldn't be too heavy, but there would be that heft to it. So that might help people with uh, with yeah. hand tremors and having the fact that you could just pop pop a mini off and pop a new one on to, to keep on painting. That's really that's cool. That's brilliant. Awesome. Yeah, very cool. That's, awesome. that's, that's cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. J- Troy, keep us going here with Ancient Lair. All right, Ancient Lair. Uh, I am a huge fan of 2D paper minis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a patron of quite a few artists that make paper minis. I also make my own from uh, art that I find on uh, Google and whatnot. Uh, this is a, a browser-based uh, website that you can create your own paper minis. Front and back images that match up. They have uh, like uh, half-orc, human, elf, dwarf. And if it funds, the community gets to decide what the other, other race is going to be. And I'm sure that they're going to continue to add races if they if they uh, fund to get the website built um different uh weapons armor they've even got npcs which kind of confuses me because some of the npcs i think look more like what you would use for mm. for <laughs> pcs so not that not that it really matters one way or the other i guess but um but you can subscribe or you, you uh, if you pledge it's like the the hero level was which which i pledged um is about 20 bucks for the year nice so it's a and you can you you can um pledge for more years you know at a discounted rate um but yeah it's it's uh the 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 artwork is decent I, i i i can dig the artwork uh lots of different uh weapons that you can choose from and it it changes the artwork a little bit, like so the the hand looks like it's actually holding what it's supposed to be holding. It's not like just slapped on there, mm. cheesy like. Um, <laughs> you can change the colors of the clothing and, and uh, hair color, uh, different uh, facial features, you know, all all that kind of stuff. Skin tones, hair hair color, and it for somebody like me who really just digs on the two D minis, especially for convention play because they're so much lighter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> than carrying a, a huge bag of, of plastic or metal minis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, 
give it give it a look. They are what was it? I forgot how many days they had in this. Uh, Twenty, 20 days. days as of as of this, um, as of this recording, and they are at six thousand dollars of their uh, goal of twenty one thousand dollars. So they've got, got definitely ways to yeah. definitely enough time yeah. to to fund. Yeah. And you and you can also use these to make uh, virtual tabletop tokens as well. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So. Yeah, I think the only thing that yes. they're going to need to do is they're going to have to get rid of dwarves with no beard and man buns. So, <laughs> otherwise, I absolutely love this. This is hey, this it's, been a long it's, time it's 2020, baby. <laughs> maybe I like my maybe I like my dwarves like 1500. TR, not 2020. Well, that's that's fine. Then then you can create those all you want. Now, but how I'm... would you feel if the dwarf this this topic had... just got really stupid? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was bound to happen sooner or later <laughs> tonight. Would it be okay if the dwarf had still had the man bun, but also had a nice full dwarven beard? Would it be better? Yes. <laughs> Would it be acceptable? Sure, in certain circles, I suppose. In certain circles, <laughs> not not many people are as as understanding as I am about these things. I'm just I'm, I'm just looking out for them. That's what as understanding, is that what as is? understanding, is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's an odd choice of phrase. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Cold opening. Mm-hmm. Cold. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really do like this product, and I, I'm, I'm with you, Troy. At, at the, at lugging around. All your minis, Ugh. if not just the weight, just the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. If you're trying mm-hmm. to accommodate, depending on how many modules you're running, all that stuff, and just stacking it up into one little, one little card deck sized box, yeah. one, one binder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, somebody yeah. just walked off with my with my man bun dwarf mini. I guess I'll have to print another one. <laughs> Good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and bang, zoom, you're done. So. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I like that. So the only other thing that uh, is on our news segment today is just your weekly reminder of Captain Hartchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. Uh, We are approaching 400%, I think. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we we just crossed over the $1,900 mark. um, And uh, that means that... What that means for uh, those of you out there listening, this is uh, uh, the $2,000 goal is something that I really um, had high hopes for. Um, really, what that does is allow us to pay all of our writers a very, very reasonable wage for their uh, contribution, which is which is always a big goal of ours. And so anything above that, now we're actually getting to pay them uh, something that really starts to make it worth their time. Um so that's really nice um, that everybody now is we're not just paying for the art and paying for Kickstarter fees and paying for distribution and all that and layout. We're also now paying um, all our writers a really reasonable amount of money. So uh, thanks to everybody who helped with that and who uh, will certainly mean this will certainly mean that more products like this are able to happen on a more regular mm-hmm. basis. So. Much appreciated, everybody. It's you're awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Rear Dragons. Uh, you can find it on Kickstarter. 
you can search for Rare Dragons or for Captain Heartchild's Guide to Rare Dragons. You can also go on our Facebook and uh, anywhere else and find it. And we've also got a uh, little interview that Catherine and I did that comes out the same week on uh, Crit Academy's podcast. So you can go listen to that in more detail there where we talk all about it. That was a good time. Yeah, those guys are great. Uh, Justin from Memorable Monsters that was on the other week with us that uh, we went on his show. Okay, I think that will do it for our Community Pulse, our dessert round. Let's get into our main topic of the evening, uh, DMs on DMing. Uh, we have uh, we had to shut it down uh, in the pre-show as we were getting... Uh, heated and talkative right from the start with this <laughs> conversation. Um, uh, and I think, I think we all have plenty to say, so we'll, yep. we'll need to dive right in here. Yep. Dwarven uh, man bonds. Here we go. Let's go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> Round two. Yes. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about AL modules and we're going to talk about what we love about them, uh, and what we think could be done better. Um, this is a topic that I really feel like, um, our podcast, maybe above all others, maybe I'll go ahead and say definitely above all others, um, can have an expert opinion on. Um, no, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Um, <laughs> but uh, Troy alone uh, would give us the expertise required uh, on this topic with his uh, many, many years in the AL community. So, so all you listeners out there, that means the bar is very, very low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the rest of us kind of follow up with our numerous years and, and numerous cons and a whole bunch of, whole bunch of slots ran for hundreds of people. Um, what that means is that um, when we have an opinion on this, um, not to say it's the end all be all, but it's not from running one or two games and throwing something to the wind. Um, it's from a lot of different experiences over mm-hmm. a large span of time. Absolutely. And between even the four of us, there's numerous different play styles and opinions to be had here, too. Uh, so you're going to hear some things where we vary on what's great and what's not so great <laughs> about AL. And uh, and some from Zach that are completely wrong. Uh, that's <laughs> wrong. Uh, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Sometimes, sometimes the expertise that Troy brings to the table can uh, <laughs> still be inaccurate. Uh, so, hey, let's talk about let's talk about the secret sauce first. So, what what do we think really makes for a great Adventures League module? And uh, for those of you out there listening, when we say Adventures League module, what we're really seeing is an adventure that can be ran in one session. Um. They, this, so this could also apply to you going onto the DMs Guild and picking up the next thing that your home game, home crew is going to run. Um, it's really what we're not talking about here is uh, your your homebrew session that you made for yourself because that's going to be different. And we're not mm-hmm. talking about a full like campaign multi session event because um, like those rhyme of the frost maiden right exactly something. that's those are going to take a whole different. Uh, mixture, quantity, um, ratio of ingredients 
to make those quality in some respects. So, but so let's just keep it to the 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 one shot, the one session modules specifically tied to AL. Uh, let's start with John here. John, what 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 do you think is secret sauce for a good one? Yeah, so for me, it's about um, it's about the pillars, right? We've talked multiple times about pillars, about the social debate, combat, etc. Right. Yep. So for me, for the feedback that I continually hear from my players in the to the positive about a module is they had four hours to play something in, and they were grateful for the fact that they had it ran the gamut. Where we they had some combat, there was some social, there, maybe there's a puzzle aspect or something like that. So variety is really one of the things that they liked. Some players uh, are not; they don't want variety. Sometimes they want you to hone in on one specific thing. But at least at my tables, the mm-hmm. the ones that I've seen uh, most often are are the most grateful for at least a little variety, a little touch of everything. Uh, that's that's been mixed in to the, uh, to, which is tough. And in, in four hours, it's really tough to try to. And we'll kind of talk about that, I think, in, in the next little bit about uh, ways that we might be able to improve. But uh, it's it's tough to try to to mesh a lot of different angles on a story, the tactical components, role play, and things like that into something that that doesn't become muddled um, mm. or. Uh, you, again, you only have four hours to do something in, and to do something that's compelling, that engaging, and rewarding, right? Over the mm. course of those four hours, and that's tough to get all those things in there. But uh, that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind is just making sure that there's some variety in there, that it doesn't just focus on one specific thing, uh, because you're going to have a lot of different people at the table, especially in in organized play, uh, in public events. Oh, right? yeah. You're not going to have everybody has their own their own tastes. And so having just a little bit of this and a little bit of that peppered in, but in the right, like in this, and it's one of those things where it's nuanced. I don't think there's necessarily a perfect formula for it. What I'm going to put you on the spot, but I know you can handle it. Um, yeah. What do you, do you have a mod in mind that you think does this really well that you could reference for our listeners out there that might want to hop on and get a mod that they're, they're like, yeah, that's important to me in my group. What's something that you could point them to? Uh, yeah, actually, I've got uh, or well, I see. I see Troy's raised his hand. Uh, Troy, you got one that you're like super excited about. Before I go into it, I do. It, it is. It is oddly enough, it's one of my favorite mods to run. At a, was one of my favorite mods to run at a con. Um, Army of the Unseen. Uh, from the uh, the Moonshay, uh, from the Baldman Games Moonshay series. Hmm. Um, it has. It's got combat. It's got exploration, and it's got it's got some role play, and you can. There's even a little bit of exploration in the combat kind of thing. You know, it's there's there's a lot of different ways that this module uh, can unfold. Um, I have I have heard from other people that have have played through it. They didn't enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I think. That could be because uh, maybe the DM didn't understand it, hmm. and, it and it just wasn't he di- he didn't let the module breathe, kind of a thing, and he didn't let the module do what it needed to do. Um, Interesting, but but yeah, it, it it hits to me that module hits all three pillars, um, in there, and it, and it gives you time to role play a little bit and. 
Mm-hmm. Army yeah. of the Unseen is uh, from the Second Moon trilogy. Yep, Moon Two Two. Moon Two Two. Um, it has a four and a half stars out of five with ten ratings on the DMs Guild. So, uh, by and large, people agree with you, Troy. It yes. is quality. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of them that come to mind. One that immediately comes to mind, which is a an Adventurers League classic, and I think it is universally lauded by both players and um, DMs. Is uh, the Black Road from oh, the yeah. from the Storm King's Thunder um, uh, AL season by Page and Ben Page Leitman yep, and uh, Ben Hessler? Holy moly! Uh, it 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 goes. It's all over the place. As a matter of fact, it was so good that it's been plagiarized by, uh, by other major companies. <clears throat> and I'll just leave it yes. at that. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, it, 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 allegedly, allegedly. Yes, excuse me. Allegedly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Troy. Yeah, uh, it is fantastic. It is fantastic. Uh, it, it is one of those. It is a first through fourth. It's a first tier, right? So your first through fourth level uh, characters. Um, it is. Uh, it is up there with, uh, to me, one of the best that goes all over. That's like that also satisfies. It's not a. It's not a four hour, right? So it doesn't. That's why I didn't choose it as part of this. But we've. I've talked about my love for the basic set and with Lost Minds and Fandelver because mm-hmm. of how well it's how good it's written for for new players. This is another one of those. Something that was more immediate though, or more uh, recent was uh, one that was written by Jay Anderson was Fallen Wonder, which was Moon fifteen three. Um, it is. You've got there's so much that's in it, and it's so well written, and it's so like there's such a good direct like a directionality in the way that it's architected to where you can get to everything right to where you can let stuff have a you can have a little bit more flex and breathing room in the in the different areas of of the story. But I mean, you've got combat, you've got some skill stuff, you've got tons of room for for role play, but it kind of it it expands and contracts the role play aspect of it dependent upon like how far the players really want to go into it. Um, and there are places in there where you can kind of cut stuff out as necessary in order to accommodate for the play styles. And those that's, um, it's fantastic. Fallen wonder. That's, that's my, that's my other one. It's the more recent one. Cool. And nobody will be able to play that one until, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Winter fantasy. That's well, not good. That is that is Winter Fantasy, right? So yeah. the the, uh, uh-huh. the D XB track for for Gen Con is where that was uh, was uh, was previewed or was initially premiered. Released, yeah, premiered, and so uh, so February, right? Everybody show up to uh, Indianapolis or excuse me, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's all let's all play some D and D together. Uh, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. If, if, in if we can if we come out of the house by then. Yeah, yeah. Fingers <laughs> crossed. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw out there um, something secret sauce wise. Um, and, you know, it may seem like a small thing, but every time I get a new mod, this is what I look for. The first, uh, keep your monster count to a minimum in the back of that mod. Um, there is zero reason for 25 monsters in the back of your module, or even really 15 mm-hmm. or 12. Like, secret sauce for me is when a, mon- when, when a module shows up and can tell a great story with less than 10. Um and I have, I get, I get unreasonably frustrated when you uh, hand me a module and say, you need to run four different types of gnolls for the first encounter. And <laughs> here is a chart for 18 different beasts that might be summoned in the second encounter. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we have, 
we have six different types of zombies for encounter number three. So here's 18 to 24 <laughs> creatures in the back for you to flip through. I don't need a reprint of the monster manual for your four-hour thing. Like, make a decision on your own, fella. Make, a, <laughs> make, make some calls about what you want to be ran here. And if, if we need to adjust it, we can go get a book. <laughs> um, it, it, it does two things, right? The first thing that it does is a lot of us are running at conventions and whatnot, or even if you're running at home and you like to have that paper copy. And now I'm, now I either need to sort it through, or I'm going to be printing out 50 pages instead of your 18 page module. Um, so that's problem number one with it. Problem number two is, um, it makes your module harder to run because now I have to flip through, uh, you know, those 30 pages looking mm -hmm. for the three monsters that are for this fight. Um, mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. There's only so much room behind the DM screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and only and so many minis that I'm going to bring to a convention. <laughs> right. That's why, that's why you should go back, back that uh, Kickstarter I talked about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bring more minis that way. Full circle. Uh, yeah. Full circle. Uh, to, to Zach's point. Yeah. And I don't know how many times, I have had an encounter that has, you know, multiple different types of monsters in it. And I always forget an ability or mm -hmm. something from one of those monsters until it's almost the end of the fight. And then it's like, oh, man, I totally forgot to use that. That would have been awesome, but I haven't done it all fight. So now it'd be really stupid to try it now. I'll just let it die. You know, that, yeah. Here, here's what I would say. Two should be the norm two different types of monsters per, per encounter and a, and a weird encounter should have three. If your encounters are consistently having four five, six, seven, too much, too mm. much, sir. Maybe uh, if it's like the final fight or something, maybe you yes. can like reuse another monster from one of the previous yes. ones. Yes. Yes. That's fair. Or if you have, um, I can see a world where like, your your big bad is riding a creature and so you have mm -hmm. a snap block for that but really the creature is more of a mount that you're going to be moving with the big bad or things of that nature right where things travel in groups or or mul a multi-phased fight where like one creature's coming in only at the end that's also mm -hmm. a time when maybe we could get by but or even or even have uh almost like lair actions of some sort or like yeah. uh, environmental effects going on if you want to sauce up your combat a little bit you can still keep your monster count low your monster yeah. type count low but you'll have you know maybe there's an earthquake and that causes issues or a, a volcano erupting and it's raining down lava on initiative count 20 that kind of thing it's not a monster you have to remember it's just it, on this initiative count i have to make sure everybody rolls a deck save or they get splashed with with super hot water or something you know right Catherine, what about you? What's the secret sauce? Yeah, so um, I've had several smaller things, but they all sort of tie back into having a variety of optional paths to uh, let people take to get to the goal of the mod. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, okay, here's like 27 different options or 27 different NPCs they could talk to, or something like that. It's just like, you know, if you have, if you sit down at a table uh, and you don't know, like you, like at a convention, you sit down at a table and you don't know um, 
whether this group of players is going to be wanting to lean more in the combat direction or more in the uh, social dimension or you know, exploration, whatever. Um, you, it's, it's really great to be able to feel out and then have something there in the mod already for each of those, those preferred paths. So that's, that's, one, that's one facet of the variety of options. And then another one is just like, you know, if you, you don't necessarily have to only have um, one sequence of doing things, um, or yes, am I, am I, am I making sense? No, there, so that was a bigger thing um, that, that they couldn't quite figure out how to do in a clean way, but um, with season eight, um, and I think season seven also dabbled in it, but this idea of these optional paths that, that kind of like allowed you to get from point A to point C by three different ways or a couple different ways, or you could branch out and come back around to it. Um, that flexibility for you as the DM to kind of steer it down the path that your party is best suited for. Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah that yeah. i mean it, it's not written as as a mandate so much in this current season but i think that there's still that there could be a still the best mods do have that somewhat built into their system where there's not yeah and i would actually use um ice road trackers as a good example of of that because there are a bunch of different paths you can take to achieve the goal um, but you can look at the table and be like okay so they're going to want the the options that are focused on combat so you can you can even only present those two and then they pick which one they do first so they still have choices yeah. but even with your time constraint they're still getting more of what they want mm -hmm. and you're not missing anything imperative yeah or, uh, ten one is also not to give any spoilers away this early, but ten one also does a great job of that, in my opinion, of giving those options. So, in in some capacities, Troy, anything that we're missing? Uh, I think I think uh, you need to have a clearly stated goal for the adventure right up front, because hmm. if the if the DM isn't sure what the idea behind the module is supposed to be, he's going to have a rough, or he or she's going to have a rough time you know, running a successful yeah. session. So have, have, a, have a nice clear goal that way as the, the adventure is going, if the, if the group that you have at your table for this session, you know, zigs left when they should, when they were supposed to obviously zig right, you still know what that goal is. Mm -hmm. So you can, okay, go ahead. Let them, let them, let them zig left for a little while mm -hmm. and, and do their thing. But you know what the goal is, so you you can always be working to get them back around so that they can get to the finale of that module. And then when they go to the next table with a different DM, they're not going to be confused because it's like, what? That's not how our module ended. <laughs> it, it, it didn't set up for this next adventure at all that way. You know, so yeah, be specific. Don't be vague about things. I mean, definitely be vague to the players because that's what you 
It's fun to watch them squirm. <laughs> it's not so much fun to watch the DM squirm. No. Oh, that's such a great statement, Troy. Uh, should have been should have been on our list. You are not as a writer. If we're talking to a writer here, you are not. You don't don't try to give us twist to the DM. Right. Like you are not trying. You're not writing a story, and the DM is reading it like a novel, and you want to surprise them by the shock ending. Yeah. Spill the beans up front, people. Yeah. You um, are. M- you are not M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> well, look at if you look at a an, an AL mod, it's usually the first page. It's got your summary. Yeah. It's got your sequence of events and things like that. That is the probably the most critical do- document or part of the document because it mentally sets you up for oh okay so this is the now that I've got like the 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 over the thousand foot view of the module now mm-hmm. all I'm really doing is digging into the details yeah right? but I still there's so much there's additional there's context instead of to your point yeah uh, Zach it's like don't reveal the stuff that the players are going to see in the sequence that the players are going to have it revealed to them tell me everything up front like yep. I, I need yep, you to yep, go yep. and tell me what the MacGuffin is, who the bad guy is, and how we get to the end. What's the win condition, mm-hmm. so to speak? Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that 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 one pager document is absolutely critical. If you don't, oh, yeah. if you don't know how to write it, just go find like a lot of the smaller RPGs. We talked about Dead Halt on here a few weeks ago, but like, um, they typically don't give you. 20 page documents on adventures is typically a handful of pages at most Mm -hmm. and how they communicate the arc of a story is so condensed and it's what we really need every single time. Honestly, I could make an argument for you should be able to run an adventures league module from page one, page two, even if you didn't have the rest of the mod, even if it got lost in a, in a in your road trip, it. yeah, you should be able to pick up those two pages and run a mod that starts and ends in the same way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the thing. It's like if we don't know the twists that are coming up at the end, we can't, you know, do the whole quiet, subtle, foreshadowy stuff that the mm-hmm. players go back later. They're like, oh my gosh, you know. Instead, yeah. they're like, wait, but we were building up toward this conclusion, and now it's over there. Um, that's. That's what would happen sometimes if we don't yeah. know what's let, coming let, beforehand. Let the DMs facilitate the twist. Don't yes. try to well, force it into the module. What, what happens to me whenever they don't have a good one pager or they do, they they do it, they roll it out to me like they're rolling it out to the player. Is it takes me fifty reads of the module yeah. to figure out what is yep. going on, and so I'm so outdone with the module. I've got such a bit, bad taste in my mouth. That it's hard for me to get into it and to enjoy the moment with the players. It's more rote. It's like I have to memorize the beats as opposed to them kind of happening organically because I understand them and, and I'm with them. Exactly. It's just it's it's so much work. And there's already enough work that we've got to do when we're setting these <laughs> games up for, for, for people. Um, yeah. So that that's a good segue. So that was the secret sauce discussion, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, so now we'll let's transition into so if we could improve something about how these modules are written, what would it be? So this is specifically not tied to how they're ran. Every DM is gonna is going to run things a little bit different, and we're not going to tell you how you should improve upon your own module well, think, games. You know, but, we yeah. kind of we we just go straight in from where we came, right? Or like, mm-hmm. I think we I think we all agree that. Like if you want to improve your module or if you want to make sure you've got a really good tight module, make sure that the, the, the 
know who your reader is. The players are not going to read the module. The, the, the DM is, right? So write your module as if you're the one that's reading it because you've got to run it, right? Not mm-hmm. because you're going to end up playing it. And so I think, again, if you want to, if there's something to improve, make sure that first page is super, super tight. It's almost more important than anything else that you've got in there for the person that's reading it, at least, right? Um, I would say going along with that, um, while you're considering the, the reader, also considering the space that it's going to be played in the most. Um, yeah. There's, there's a vastly different expectation in a convention hall than there is in at a homebrew table or even a local game shop, you know, weekly game night type of place. Um, Very much. Yeah. So just, just keeping in mind the, the parameters that make that type of mod good mm. to, to a good experience is, is a good place to start. Especially well, now think, with all the online play. Well, yeah, and I was yeah. I was going to say that too because you got to you have to consider the era that we're in. Not only that we're in, but that we're we're going to stay in. Right? Mm-hmm. The, the the cat's out of the bag. Pandora's box has been open, and and we're, it's never going to be closed again. Online play is a thing now, and so if you want a module that's going to reach the broadest audience and and appeal to the 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 broadest player base and DM base and uh, convention organizer mm. base then there there are now two different avenues by which people are going to consume your media. They're going to consume it in person and they're going to consume it uh, online. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give the uh, writers, this is relatively uncharted. Well, this is pretty uncharted territory. We've only had about six months at this, whereas the, the hobbies had, you know, 30 plus years. Or we'll see. Let's think about this. Almost 40 years of in-person personal, yeah. one-on-one or one-to-many play you know so we're, we're entering into a new era that's going to take some it's going to take some navigation to get there so there, there's a lot of grace that i'm willing to give writers to try to figure it out but there's no excuse for any of us as writers not to consider it right yeah. it is what it is now so to kind of butt up against that real quick uh speaking of writers and and uh space to figure things out it would be nice, and my thing that I would suggest that could be improved upon is that the modules are done on time. And this is for a convention play. Like it's it 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 matters for an in-person game. It matters even more so for an online game. The module that is dropped in the arms of a expectant DM uh, two days or two weeks before the convention is not appropriate anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, before, if you had two weeks to get a mod prepped, that was probably reasonable to some extent, not ideal, but maybe reasonable. Um, now and, and, and common and that, that and was common. usually, that it was usually the time frame that you got your mods. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. between two days and two weeks out. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes uh, a day. Of- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rare, rare. You might get one. Rarely. Uh, you know, 24 hours ahead of time or 24 days ahead of time if it was pre-written long in advance and wasn't getting through any uh, revisions. But um, in today's world, when you give the DM that module, they are probably prepping all of the assets, the digital virtual tabletop assets on their own, all the handouts, all the tokens, all the maps, um, 
they're building their uh, Discord rooms. Everything is going in from the point that they get that adventure on. And, yes. And there's an ex- there's a heightened level of expectation for online play. Uh, we've talked about this before, but um, in in a con, you can roll out your Chess- Chessex map and uh, take your marker and just draw things and use, uh, you know, candy as your minis and you're good to go and people are happy with that. That is not appropriate in a, especially a paid convention game online. Um, so modules done on time. And I would say on time here should be 30 days out for, for in the world we're in now. Yeah, yeah. I think that yeah. we need to probably consider that this is not, well, let me say this. I'm not even thinking about DMs only as a courtesy to the the people that are going to be not only running it, but are also administering it and organizing the event. Yes. Everyone needs to have the time to take a look at these. The DMs need to take a look at it, see if, especially for the new stuff that, that pops up. Like, how are we going to make this work in the space that we're in, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, they need that time to organize ahead of time, you know? And so I don't know what that means from, you know, the powers that be perspective in order to get those things out within 30 days of an event. But if you know you've got the big the big cheese events like your Gen Cons, Origins, Winter Fantasy, and stuff like that, making sure that you lock everything in at least 30 days in advance, you know that it's coming up. So, I mean, I, and again, that's me That's me from the outside speaking about kind of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, it'd be not, or it'd be nice kind of stuff. But as someone that's running it, in, in online play in particular, I agree with Zach. You need 30 days. You need 30 days because if, if you want to give somebody the best possible experience with the with the product that you've handed off to them, that's what, that's what we need. We need 30 days. And, you know, just to peek behind the curtain for people that aren't in our, our DM, our con DM seats, uh, when we receive those modules, whether it's two days, two weeks, whatever it might be, and it's a premier module, um, Generally speaking, they're not completely finished. Yeah, they're edit. They're edited. You know all that good stuff. The maps are still raw, and you know and things like that. So in convention, in online convention play, when we get one of those modules, we can't just use the map that we were given in the mod and throw it on the screen and go we have to rebuild it. And sometimes those maps are literally boxes and circles just to give you a a, a Mm -hmm. very rough idea of where things are placed. And that's great for in-person cons because, like you said, you whip out your your Chessex battle mat, you grab your your wet erase markers, and, and you do your thing. You're right then and there, and you're good to go. Online play... There is that expectation from the players that, oh, it's online, so therefore it's probably a little easier. And I'm here to tell you guys, it's not. It is a lot. Exponentially more difficult. It is a lot of extra work for the DMs that the players, most players, I would think, don't realize that. Yeah. It can actually, like if you, I found this out the hard way, if you don't have a a laptop at least um it's it's very hard it is um it's 
I'm going to say that it's pretty impossible for somebody who who doesn't have an actual like laptop to run um because you have to you have VTTs that people expect that you you can't work with without a without at least a laptop um, the preparation levels are are way more yes. than they would be with just just a a chessix map. Like you're not you're not um, copy pasting whole images and then you're ready to go. Um, and also on the on that note that Zach said about a Discord server, um, a lot of us have spent well, a lot of us spent a lot of outside time just figuring out technical stuff that doesn't even have to do with actually running the mod. Um, and we'd have players while we were still setting up our discord server so that they can look nice. Um, we would have players that would come in, uh, the day that it was set up and start asking questions, even if the, um, event was weeks and weeks away. Um, and so that's, you know, if, if we don't have the mod yet, <laughs> then it's, it's really hard to answer those questions. Um, yeah. So it all well, sort of links together. even if you have together. the mod, you're still answering a ton of questions and you're still trying yeah, to it, figure it, some of it out. It is, a, yeah. it, is a, it is a very strange space that we find ourselves in because at in-person cons, we don't get to meet you until we set, until you sit down at our table. Uh, now suddenly uh, you buy a ticket for D&D Celebration and it directs you to a certain Discord server and now you've got all your players saying, hey, where's the DM for table blah 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 and you're like, I, I don't even have my Roll20 room built yet. Why are they asking? It's like three weeks away. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a completely it's a completely different animal than than an in-person convention or game day or whatever at your store it's not that and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing i i do enjoy being able to converse with my players ahead of time and there's quite a few from the past couple of conventions that we've been a part of that i'm still talking to mm -hmm. and it's fantastic i love that it's just this is completely new territory for I would say, if not all of us, a lot of us. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And having the mods earlier would make everything else easier because we'd already have yes. everything started prep for that. Yes. So is there anything else that we think could be improved upon a little bit before we go into the final phase of this where we're going to where we're gonna yell at each other for a few minutes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I, one, I've got, I've got, I've got one two. more pet peeve. I've got, yep, I got, I got one peeve. pet peeve. My pet okay, peeve. Cool. Um, as a map nerd, is bad maps. Mm. You know, I know that Troy touched on it briefly, and I'm not even talking about like fully functional, ready to rock and roll VTT maps that are beautiful and have all kinds of colors and stuff like that. I'm talking about like a square drawn on a grid with a couple of circles in it and wavy lines. That crap has got to stop. And I'm, I'll be the bad guy. Look, I know that the writers <laughs> are not always artists too right they're they're artists with words and not necessarily with with paper and pencil or pen or anything like that so look i i'm with you find some one of your buddies to draw one for you please because as, as someone that is call me out like i've actually offered in some of these i'm like 
uh, is it cool for me to like if I can talk to the writer, like tell me where the stuff is supposed to go and what it's supposed to look like, just so <laughs> the rest of us can actually have a good like a good something good to work off of because this is absolutely untenable, just super super ugly <laughs> stuff, and it's not a matter of like dogging on somebody's artwork. It's it's the it's just there's just not enough context there to understand exactly what you're supposed to do and it makes it that you, ha you have to work that much harder and read that much more into the text oh, yeah. so you have to go back and reference the text and try to match up like what was the okay i guess this is what this squiggle <laughs> line is supposed to be and then is that a what is that okay that's just a cheeto smudge okay cool I mean, then what yeah so i uh, i read the description <laughs> But I don't know what that is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, um, and again, it's not not this is not at all to beat up on the writers. I know that you know. Look, I love you guys. I really do. Uh, but the maps, man, they make my eyes twitch. They really, really do. Some of some do really great maps, and some, man, talk to me, please. Like just so. Well, uh, I just one hand oh, washes the other. Go ahead. That's fair. Um, I just want to throw out there really fast. Uh. There are a lot of things that we are bringing up that is like, you know, this helps us have more time to get stuff ready in general, um, is, is the end goal. Uh, I just want to, if, just in case it hadn't quite, um, I guess, gelled, um, I have, I have no problem spending a decent amount of um, evenings working on this up until a convention. What I do have a problem with is taking off of work to get something convention ready. Um, I think that's where that's where the line should be. Mm. Um, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. You need to have enough time like, to have enough free evenings or mornings or whatever your work schedule might be to crank this stuff out on your time right. without digging into your, you know, what, what helps you live. Yeah, definitely. We're not effort averse. Like we don't mind going the extra mile for you guys. And sometimes it's, it's fun, but like, yes. we just want to make sure we can also pay some bills. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Troy, anything else on this? I, I've got two more. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it when a combat includes a little blurb on tactics. Um, you know, because that helps the DM understand what the writer was visualizing. Because mm -hmm. I have I have had modules where, okay, I've got the the description of the of the area. I've got the monsters that are involved. Go, and I run it, and it. You know the combat becomes lackluster, you know, or you know whatever. And then you talk to somebody else, or you get you get the rare opportunity to talk to the writer of the module, and that's when you you get the, oh well, didn't you have the monsters start here, or didn't you have the monsters do this? And it's like, well, no, I didn't even think about that. Sometimes <laughs> because I only got the module, you know, four days ago, but. If all it would have taken was a little extra suggested tactics blurb, and every DM would have known, oh, you wanted the goblin to start there. Hmm. That makes sense now. <laughs> that would have that would have changed the whole entire combat and would have been a lot more fun and and it would have lasted four rounds instead of the half a round that it did. 
Um, <laughs> which there's nothing worse than having a con module and your players sit down and you get into this really awesome combat and they just blow it out of the water and not even all the players got a turn. You know, it's like, mm. oh, well, there was that. Um, I don't know if anybody else has any more, but I'll do my other one. Uh, I want some kind of a description from all angles of the room. And what I mean by that is this. I don't know how many times I'm, okay, you're in, you're in like a, say, a, a, a complex of some sort. And there's one, you, you take the left path and it takes you to room C. You take the right path and you come to room C from a different way. For whatever reason, you know, the, 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 the east door is locked. But if you come at it from the west, it doesn't say anything about it in the description mm. that the east door is locked. You have to find out because you came in hallway B. Yeah, yeah. So if if a door is locked or something like that, put it in every area of text that touches that door. It's a it's a issue of writing the mod in a linear fashion and not going back because you write 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 and you're like okay so if you know that that door is locked if you read it from page one to page 24 but if yep. you if your players go the opposite way around and you skip pages 20 through 22 and you just go straight to 23 all of a sudden you miss the fact that the door was locked and the yes. writer didn't think to include it because they were so focused on just the story in a linear sense that they didn't think about it exactly. How, yeah 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 and there, and I, and I, and I've come across several different. The, the door, the door idea is probably the easiest to explain. But yeah, I've, I've done that quite a bit. You know, I'm, I'm playing a mod. I've read the mod. I, I get it. But you know, if you're running at a convention, there's a lot of times you've got four or five modules that you're reading and preparing to run. I don't have time sometimes to make copious notes on everything, or if I do make copious notes. By the time I get to the convention, I can't find them or I can't read them because my writing is horrible. Whatever the case may be. Yes, tell me that the door is locked on both sides. You know, so that way, if I'm reading section A, I know the door is locked. If I'm reading sec from section B, I know that door is still locked. Yeah. Yeah. Cool point. Okay, so let's do this. Let's dive into this last bit here. This one is not going to, well, I'd say it's not going to last long. Who knows? <laughs> Knock down, drag out. <laughs> so we've talked about the secret sauce, the things that we really want to, to be kept in there and we want to see in more and more mods. We've talked about things that we want to add or change. Now let's talk about what we would like to see removed from these modules, if anything. And this one was a harder one because uh, it's hard uh to uh, to come up with well we could just remove this whole cloth but we've got a few things down here um catherine go ahead and talk about yours and i know this one's going to ruffle some feathers straight out the gate <laughs> okay <laughs> um <laughs> so i would say i have had many occasions where we are in a groove at the table, 
and we everybody's you know engaged involved uh got their brains thinking about what's behind that locked door you know stuff like that but then we hit a a narrative point and um you know say they get the door unlocked and there's something significant inside going on um and i will i will get this wall of box text and uh. it'll be like you know vibing with the with the players the players are vibing with each other and then it just all shuts down in the time it takes for me to read the box text um that is not happen every single time there's box text because the box text isn't always like half a page long. <laughs> uh. um, but when it gets to be more than like two long paragraphs, I, I guess, um, if I have to throw out an arbitrary thing, if it gets, if it gets to be where it feels like I'm reading a passage out of a book rather than just like a short description or something, then when I look up, um every the the connection has to be rebuilt all over again so i would say taking out a significant amount of the box text that is in convention mods al mods Ooh, i uh <laughs> I, I and everyone is silent I'm first first, first yeah first off i want to i want to ask Catherine. How how much did James and Ricasso pay you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> James, I know I you're behind this. this time. Yeah. I know you're behind this, James. <laughs> yeah, I love box text. I'm going to be the first one to, to defend it. Like, I mean, and I know that you're not saying get rid of all of it. You're saying get rid of the long ones. I don't even mind the long ones as long as it's well written. Um, and as long as, like, you kind of alluded to, as long as it doesn't take well-written box text is flexible with how the party gets to an area, right? Did you, did you save the farmer or did the farmer die? The box text will allow that to be ambiguous and not force you down a path or, or you have to revise it. Um, but also box text in my mind is always optional and revisable. So it's a good, it's a good, placeholder and if you if you don't if you don't think of anything better or you really like it then you can use it and if you think of something better or don't like it you can always ignore it in my book so i'm a huge fan of it and please don't take away my box text <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i i am with zach i do like box text especially for con modules because uh to to me the thing the thing about running adventures league or any other organized play is there is a shared experience with other players. They might not be at your table, but uh, you you meet you meet uh, Bill um, years later. Yeah, I played I played uh, you know the uh, Armies of the Unseen. Oh yeah. Well, what did you think? I played it too. What did you think when this happened? Well, that didn't happen. You know, there. That's the point to me of organized play is you get to reminisce with people that you've never played with before, as if you played with them, mm. and it's a it's a group thing. Um, but also, yes, box text needs to be well written. Don't don't put so much stuff in there 
that doesn't need to be in there. Make it to the point. Um, so that way, yeah, I'm not reading a wall of box text that's just absolute, total, 100% fluff. Because now I no longer, as a DM, have the ability to add that fluff as the character, <laughs> as the players are asking me questions. I also think, to Zach's point, you know, where, where you said, use it, don't use it, switch it around, add, take away, is also uh, an experience and a comfort thing. Some DMs don't have a comfort level of, well, I can just change it. They they feel locked in to that box text. Well, this is the module I, I have. I have to run it the way it's written. <laughs> I, I, can, could you could, could you say something clear, uh, Troy, instead of grunting? Because I would love for, to hear your Troy say, "You don't have to run the module as written. Just just say those words if you could." If you could, right here for the record. And for the cold opening, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? No. That's blackmail. That's blackmail uh, yeah. stuff there. Um, for those... Now, I'm not even going to throw Zach out of the bus. I'm just, I'm just not even going to say a word. Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah. It, it, it's a comfort thing. And as soon as... It, that's one of those things that when, when DMs finally uh, either get comfortable enough or... Sometimes it's even better when they get pushed to the point of, oh, crap, I have to change this. What do I change it to? And they just roll with something, and it makes that experience, while it's still the same as what everybody else has played, it now makes it unique to that table. Yeah. And Zach does that very well. Yeah. It, it, will, be, it will become very, very unique to the table. Yeah. Very unique to the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair so, so yeah. what I would say to that and to Zach's point together, um, I promise, I promise I'll let you say your piece, John. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm biding my time. I'm biding my time. Um, I, the, the, um, the comfort level, my comfort level is still, I, I actually hate going through and editing out some of people's like i sort of feel like the writer is is doing their best to write like you know flowy and well and like flavorful and all of that business within box text because it's the stuff that's going to be read out loud so i really really don't like messing with that unless i absolutely have to and almost every time i've I've run, I've had to cut some of it out because it, you know, the table disengages. Um, or it's just like saying things that is also described in the next few paragraphs that the characters could find and then therefore that's more interactive that way. So mm -hmm. so I guess like that's that's where I'm kind of coming from mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I think so it kind of leads into look at it. Oh, sorry, I was, trying, I, was, I was trying to get John off again. And I, you tried. <laughs> I tried. Uh, the way that I look at it, though, is you got to look at your pros and cons of, of box text. I don't like, I want more good box text, right? But, but the good box text that's out there, I want lots of it if I can get it. And then here's the reason why, too. It's kind of a, a hodgepodge of what everybody's concerns are. But mine is if we're really trying to create a concise and uh, you've got four hours to run a game in. Right. And so either you spend 
two to three minutes describing the interior of a room, or if somebody can come up with something that's really tight and really succinct, and it's a paragraph that takes you less than 30 seconds, that's good stuff. I mean, and I'm, I'm more than happy to, to use that. I mean, I like being really descriptive. And I think it's, there's the, there's also the brain of the, the, uh, the, the actor that doesn't mind, that wants to read it directly from the page and read what the writer read what the writers have written versus the one that wants to improvise right so mm. like i feel like i'm being creatively stifled by having someone tell me to to read this thing right so i can see i see both ends but still i err on the side of box text helps to make things move smoother and i just if i want i won't say smoother i won't say smoother cuz for for Catherine's sake at least it it may not be smoother <laughs> but it is faster it's like i'm going to read the box text because that's going to get us into the room faster and it's going to get the, the player in, invested in what's going on in the room faster than me possibly not every time but possibly stumbling over what was in here again hang on let me look at the notes here it says mm-hmm. that there was this pile of bones that was over there and no i can't read that thing because there's something inside of the pile of bones that the players are not supposed to know <laughs> about right it's like this is the scene of the, this is what you're reading the scene of the, the room scene and then you play from within the scene right so mm. if you think about uh mm-hmm. shakespearean plays the way that's like the, the dressing is set and then the players come out and the, or the actors come out and then they, they run the scene. Right. So where you can start adding embellishments about the color of cloth or whatever. Right. So for me, it's a pragmatic thing. Um, and it's, 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 per, it's personal. I personally love box text, but um, I, I, there is, to me, there is a pragmatic reason why you use the box text also. Mm-hmm. Well, especially in organized play. Let me let me let me take us in a different route here. Um, so everybody loves everybody's talked about how much they love box text. So let's mm-hmm. talk about the thing that everybody hates, and that's bullet points. Um, <laughs> uh, here, let me let me defend this for a moment. Everybody I, meaning Zach. Everybody. Well, and, and you listen and. If you give me about two minutes here, you too uh-huh. can hate bullet points. Everything that you have said you liked about box text is not a part of bullet points. Bullet points cannot do anything concisely. They are they, The only thing that they do concisely is take up more space on the page. Um, they don't give you a clear thought. They don't give you an adequate description. They don't give you an in-character anything. They don't... If, if this is like... Here are all the things that your care this that this person can all the information that this person can provide to the party. Here's 15 bullet points. That does not that that does not give me uh, a different uh, voice to say this in. It doesn't give me what of this is important, right? Like what of these 15 do I actually need to give to my players right now? And what of this is just the author vomited onto the page? Um, <laughs> Some strong words, wow. man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hot take, <laughs> yes, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Hot yes. take. No, like, like, if if there's something that's that important, um, if put it's it in the super, box text. If it's important, put it in the box text. If it's not important, put it in a paragraph. With everything else, you don't need to give me uh, a half a column of bullet points that I can't use unless I think of in the fly a way to naturally inject these into the conversation doesn't matter I'm going to read the mod I can give I can give a little clue about what type of creatures are to be found in the forest right here right like I don't need you to say like bullet point eight there are creatures with 
there's many wild beasts found within the forest of whatever. Like, who cares? Like, I can handle that, right? And that's, it doesn't do anything for me. So anyhow, uh, bullet points I have never, I have never used or in any capacity bullet points given to me in a mod. It's always redundant. And every time I get to them when I'm running, I look at them in the moment and I say, which of these do I actually need to tell my players? I'm going to say none of them. Let's move on. And sometimes that's the yes. right answer. Sometimes it's not. But I'm not going to sit there and say, well, <laughs> well you know. I don't care if I'm wrong. So if Zach has ever killed your character, yeah, this it's probably because there was a bullet point. Listen, I'm not going to say like, well, bullet point nine, that one seems like it's more important than bullet point two. It's, it's pretty like, solid. Yeah. Now, listen, <laughs> I, if you want to argue that there's a spot for bullet points if, like, here are two things that need to be conveyed by this NPC before the party moves on. Bullet point one, bullet point two, go. Great. I wouldn't mind seeing a module that did that and see how it went. I'm not down with six, eight, ten, fifteen bullets um, of everything that popped into your head while you were writing but couldn't think of a way to inject it naturally into the the written text of the mod so you're just like oh here's great ideas you do something with them okay I so yeah i'm, so I'm ready to now now that you've so... now that you have now that you've ranted about <laughs> about <Yeah>. your <laughs> that's bullshit, yeah, my allow job. me to retort sir no uh <laughs> well here we ran out of time uh, no, uh, uh, no. thank you guys for listening <laughs> yeah yeah um all right play next episode, episode. yeah <laughs> okay yeah uh no <laughs> No, so bullets. See, to me, to, to me, bullet points are things like one of like a, a pet peeve of the fifth edition method for setting a scene is writing into paragraphs how many of what are in a room, like how many goblins are there in a room. There are four goblins in a room. The only reason why you know that there are goblins in a room when you're just scanning the page is it's in bold. All right, now I've got to scan down and find goblins. Like and how many goblins are there? And it's buried in inside of paragraphs, as opposed to a bullet point that says the things that you're going to end up having to fight maybe are these, and this is how many there are. That's never how bullet points are used, and you know. Yeah, it. That, is, that is not how they are used. <laughs> I'm not saying how they're used. I'm saying how like this how they is should the, be. Used. Uh, this is this is the pro for the bullet point, though, right? And so, but to me, the bullet point is: look, these are the things that are important in the room. Yeah. Right. And if you and if you want like the the gritty detail about it, then I'll find it good. But to me, a, when we're talking about bullet points, maybe that's important. Is to me a bullet point is like n not even a complete sentence. It doesn't even deserve a period at the end of it. It's just like in in this room, there's like four like four goblins. I would... They are doing this, and the players are trying to do X or whatever. Like they're they're trying to poison the well. The players I... have to keep them doing the thing. I would right? love that. Not how it's done, though, John. It's not how it's done. Okay, Retort so here, lost. Retort right? denied. Here, yeah. here's, I, you I, still admitted that bullet points, however I just described them, they are still bullet points. Nah. You still agreed. I, yeah. If they were well, used that way. Point. Take me home, man. To, to, for me, I, I like bullet points to an extent. What I hate is when you give me the box text, and then you give me bullet points, and the bullet points say the exact same thing with the box text said. Mm, yep. It's mm -hmm. like, why did you... Then why did you give me box text? Just give me the bullet points, or get rid of the bullet points and give me the box text. Or if uh, wait, 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 wait. So get rid of the box text. How much did James Intercasso pay you to say that? <laughs> uh, I, I cannot discuss that on this on this podcast. Um, it's it's like if you're gonna give me box text, which I like box text, 
Um, I want it succinct. I don't want a lot of extra stuff in it because that's my job. Um, but then don't put in bullet points below it stuff that probably should have been included in that box text. I, I always hate this. Like, you know, you give you give the room description in the box text, but guess what? There's there's those four goblins in there. Those four goblins do not appear in the box text. Mm-hmm. Why not? Did you not see them? It says it says it says in the bullet points they're sitting at the big table that you just described playing cards. Why was okay. it in the box text? Because they may not be there anymore. If they're not in there, I cannot say that. But they I may can, not be. I can, they may I have. Can just they could have been part. in there, right? So think about like think right? about like uh, like in a dungeon. If you've pulled them from <laughs> another room and you're you've already fought them already, you can't say what was in what is in there because that may not be the set. But they can, that's something you're gonna have to deal with with. Anything. Yep. The box text may end up being like out of date by the time they go into the room, depending on like if somebody threw a fireball into the room or something like that, right? It's not gonna be it's not gonna be dressed the same way anymore. Okay. What kind of murder hobos are you playing with that just open the door and go <laughs> BLAM? It's like uh, I I didn't get to read my box text. I can throw names out there. I've got names I, and like in my, my my book of grudges that are out there. I'm sure Ziska, you do. Ziska, I'm sure Ziska you von Baraka, Takamori. Like, these are guys that I played with, like their characters in the past. They literally started every, they'd go to every door, they'd bang on the door, and either the monster would open it up or not, and they would f- shoot a fireball directly into the room. And that's how they opened oh up pretty goodness. much. Of course, this is like college being goobers, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, back, back to the thoughts. original thing that we were talking about bullet points. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I am a fan of box, and I, box text to me have to be in convention modules. Because there are times that you have to run that module cold or or near cold. And if you don't have good, succinct box text to tell you what's going on, you're lost. That's when you do not have time to parse through bullet points. Definitely. Well, I mean, bullet points are really supposed to be there to organize small snippets of information, right? Right. But if so, but again, if I'm if I'm running it cold and I have this box text, give me the box text, put everything in that box text that needs to be in there. If mm-hmm. if point three on the bullet bullet points is something that is in that room, give it to me. Here's box text. here let me let me let me help us here maybe get to a, a almost always how bullet points are conveyed in AL is during they, they they typically preface with a sentence almost exactly like this. During the conversation, the NPC reveals the following information. And then you have five bullet points of talking points that your NPC will say. So I've got one pulled up here in front of me as an example. Um, so here, word for word, here's the first bullet point. So the, it says, during the conversation, she reveals the following information. Bullet point one. If the players haven't participated in Moon 5-11, she tells that life, livestock have been disappearing for some time, and recently even people in farms spoilers, were found Spoilers, Zach! Spoilers! Yeah. Investigations reveal the presence of gnolls. Obviously, it is vital that these are dealt with as soon as possible before more damage is dealt. That's bullet point one. And there are five bullet points, and this paragraph is precluded by two more bullet points. Um, how do I work in that bullet point and naturally into that conversation, right? Well, you're not going to read it directly from the the from the module anyway, though, right? It's yeah. like here are things that sh- that you need to know about what they they have to say. Bing, bing, okay. bing, 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 right? 
Isn't, uh, that, isn't that what that's there for? Like, I'm not like even at this point, I'm not necessarily arguing for the point of bullet points in general. But like, even that that instance is like here is like here's the category. Here are the here are the things within the subcategory. That are, yeah, but then so here's the second one. So and so explains that although her forces have been able to fend off the marauding gnolls, she's no closer to finding out who's leading them. Like, that's a fine note, but. But the but the directive is she's going to reveal this, right? But there's no way there's no like give us instead of giving us a so and so explains that, give us either a quote or give us a lead in or something, give us a directive because as it is, we're supposed to find a way to naturally work all of this information that's mandatory into the conversation. And it's not it's not written in a way that makes it easy to do that. So you, you spo- need the voice. No, no, the not, voice. A, not a spoiler alert. I, but I'm looking t- at I'm looking at ten one. I know why Zach loves ten one so much. <laughs> there are like two instances of bullet points, and they're like like one or two sentences each, and that's it. That's why Zach loves this thing so much. Yeah, this is this is not wrong. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking about everything that's been presented in the past couple of minutes. Um, there's a There's there's a balance between we need to make sure that everything that needs to be said is said and and not having too much um like outside like in including more information in dialogue with an NPC rather than just passively walking around and seeing it or you know you heard this from this or that crowd um, and that's going to be very, uh, shoot, people listening to the podcast can't see my hand, um, very up and down. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Up and down? Um, and she was going side to side, everybody. I just want everybody to understand. She was going side <laughs> to side. Now she said up and down. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, many directions. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that better? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but, um. I understand that the premise, like like just having, hey, make sure the players know this before you move on, maybe putting that somewhere that isn't necessarily tied to the NPC in the conversation, but it could be, because that way I don't have to feel like, oh, I have to have this voice and these words and and stuff, like I can let the players steer the conversation more. Here's a perfect example. Okay. This this actual mod right here that I'm t- discussing, or that I have pulled up, this this NPC wants to have the players go look for raiding gnolls for her. That's the impetus of this. I had plenty of tables, over half the tables when I ran this mod. This nice old lady that has that has a garage full of weapons in her backyard. As you, you do. As you do. Asks for the players to help her out. Almost every table's like, sounds good, point us in the right direction, heading out, right? They don't need, oh, well, here's a whole section on uh, parts of the Feywild have transferred to the Moonshays, or yada, 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 right? Mm-hmm. They don't need any of that. Mm-hmm. They're ready to go. And yet, the module, this information, is saying, hey, this information needs to be revealed. And it's like, they don't mm-hmm. care. It, so what? So you're either asking me to do one of two things. Either 
skip it, which I do, <laughs> or <laughs> or say, well, hold on there a minute, Sonny. Let me give you a lore dump before you leave. Like, <laughs> like, like. <laughs> I'm dropping the lore deuce on you. Better what what you need to do if you're a writer instead of doing bullet points is do call and response. So say if the party asks about this, this is the response. If the party mm. asks about this, this is the response. Or or if they if they question this or if they wonder or yeah. see and and I've I've seen them do that with some bullet points in some modules. Mm-hmm. Don't ask don't ask me which ones because I I can't remember. But my my problem is what I have had happen is like you know if if the characters bring this up you know blah like what you just said mm-hmm. they don't say anything mm-hmm. it's like mm. oh they're they're not asking questions they're waiting for the hey I need you to go kill some gnolls here's some weapons go kind of yep. a thing yep. and it's like they're not asking. They're not digging for information. They're not making any comments about anything. So you're setting on three bullet points of, of info that, nope, they're not getting it until unless I force it somehow. So instead of, if the PCs say this, give me conversation starters from the aspect of the NPC. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fine too. Um, Anyhow, I know John's ready over there. He's he's probably got three three examples of great bullet points pulled up on his computer. And- <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm looking through some stuff over here. But I mean, like, I get what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not. I don't disagree. Like, to me, like, it's not an attack necessarily against bullet points themselves, but necessarily how they're used today is what is kind of what I'm getting. To me, I want to, uh, the uh, the bullet points. To me, are a way to organize what's what's coming up or what has been said to to summarize right yeah. like look the short version of this scene is bing 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 just keep keep these things in mind don't don't forget about those things these are the things that are important those that's what i'm that's kind of what i'm looking for in the in the form of bullet points or your traditional stuff like here are the things that you find in a bag bing 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 right mm-hmm. um so i i mean i, I hear your lament i understand what you're saying to about but again, I think it's a it's a almost a, it's a writing style choice of whether or is it going to be presented to the person almost like in story form in paragraph form, or is it going to be handed off in like categorizations? Like here's this piece of information is categorized like this. I like I like I'm a I'm a personally I like bullet points for categorizing stuff and for or at least for organizing bits and pieces of information. So that's mm-hmm. me. There you go. That's me. Well, hey. Jeez Louise. Uh, we are we plowed through a lot of this. Um, and we, we managed to maintain our quota of doing episodes that are longer than they should be. Um, but uh, that's all right. So I hope uh, everybody got at least something out of this. Really, if you if you walked away and said they just discussed stuff that only pertains to writers for the last forty minutes, you 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 maybe there's an argument that you're not wrong, but there's also a thing about um, when you're prepping adventures in general, what's important when you're prepping adventures for other people. And um, I think that, that that's something when you're writing on the DMs Guild, it's something if you are writing for AL, but it also just helps you write better adventures in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as an example, when we talked about limiting your monster selection, right? That's something that's going to help you whether you're the only one who ever runs something. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I think it was a good discussion. Um, uh, next week, we're going to be talking with another Kickstarter creator about her 5e campaign setting. So yeah. really looking forward to that. Um, and uh, who knows what from there. We've got lots of interesting guests on the horizon that I'm excited to get to chat with. So uh, anything else we need to say here, folks, before we close this sucker out? I don't think so. Other than uh, Zach wants more NPCs. Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> we're going to ignore some of these bullet points. These bullet points. Oh. Uh, we're going to skip them and uh, maybe come back to them later. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everyone, Zach hates bullet points, but he uses them every week. I every use them every week. week. Yes. Uh, that's fair. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Shuck Hughes. Um, I guess... I, I'll just throw out there real fast. You know, we did a lot of like criticizing of how um, things were written and or edited or done or whatever. But we are we're hoping it's it's in the vein of constructive criticism. We really appreciate all the effort that goes into creating adventures, and we we enjoy running them. And thanks thanks for your work. Yeah, yeah really definitely. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's not yeah, easy. The, it's definitely not yeah, easy. The writers are sticking their necks out there to do it for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, one hundred percent. And and Zach is bringing the bullet point axe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, listen, you can write all the bullet points you want. I'm just not going to use them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to save some, yourself some words? Just leave them out. Uh, so, hey, my name is Zach, uh, and thanks to uh, my good friends Troy, John, and Catherine for uh, hanging out with me again this evening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Uh, know all the different cons that we've got coming up. You can play with us at d and uh, Celebration coming up here in the next couple weeks. Um, but uh, until next week, we'll see you next time. Have a good game, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Stay safe out there.